This is Marketing Heroes Unfiltered, the journey to CMO, the podcast where we interview high achieving B2B marketing professionals to know their stories, struggles, and insights in this fast paced and competitive industry. Hosted by Leslie Carruthers and Danny Muscaplat, Jen Owen Schrader is Vice President Marketing at Kipsu.com, the number one hospitality messaging service and the preferred choice of global brands. Formerly Director Campaign Planning and Management at Thomson Reuters, Jen is a marketing leader with a proven track record in demand generation, strategic marketing, and branding. Experienced in leading cross-functional teams with a strong background in change management, Jen is passionate about driving growth through data-driven and innovative marketing strategies, while also building and leading high-performing teams. This is a podcast about heroes, Jen, which is why you're here. Thank you. I'm so happy to be here. (laughs) We're thrilled to have you. Let's start off. Would you tell us how you start your day, please? Yes. Um, So depending on whether I have my kids or not, my day starts with trying to pull a preteen and a nine-year-old out of bed for school in the morning. So there's throwing Pop-Tarts at people. We value nutrition in this house. But no, I, I start my day by just trying to wake up, get my brain going, thinking about, you know, taking a look at my calendar and what's coming up in the day. And then just really kind of jumping in. I need things really prepped. I try and do actually a lot of any prep work the night before. So like I'll pick out my outfit for the next day, the night before, I'll lay out the kids clothes the night before because I want to make my morning as easy as possible for my brain to like get up and running. Got it. That's impressive. That that takes a level of commitment. By the time I get to the end of my day, I'm like, good night. It's been fun. And you're you're organizing it's, and planning. I mean, it's great. I just know myself well enough that if I don't do if I don't take the time to do it the night before, I'm going to be super crabby. I'm going to be yelling at my kids. I'm going to be running around. I'm going to be late. Like if I have things where I don't want to be late, I know I need to plan well in advance. So do you apply that to work too? Are you a better plan ahead versus a grace under pressure? We'll finish it right before the meeting, right before the prezo. Absolutely not. I am what some people call a procrastinator. I call, yeah, grace under pressure. I have heard relatively recently too, people will emphasize the point that a project will take as long as the time you give it. Um, Meaning, you know, people will if it's if you give a project six weeks, they will take six weeks to get the project done. If you give it four weeks, they'll take four weeks to get the project done. And I am definitely on the side of if you're going to give me six weeks, I'm going to start it in four weeks. (laughs) Okay. I will look at my list of things to do and you know, prioritize accordingly, but I don't often get ahead of my work. Mm-hmm. Got it. So by prioritize, you mean yes. promptly yes. ignore. Yeah. Oh, that's a problem time. for future Jen. <laughs> this not true. You're creating the proper environment for yourself to flourish. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yes. Oh, I like that. <laughs> Bless you for the win. Keeping me honest too. So because this is a podcast about heroes and you have a son and so that you know all about the Marvel movies and the Star Wars movies, you know that every hero has an origin story. Will you share your origin story with us? Yes. So my origin 
into marketing is probably what some people would think unconventional, but really not as abnormal as a lot of people think. I was an English literature major and didn't really know what I wanted to be when I grew up and ended up kind of falling into financial advising and supporting financial advisors and leveraging my writing skills and my, you know, event planning skills and and some of those creative skills while supporting those financial advisors, which turned into there's something here, like maybe we need a communications plan. Maybe we need to think about our tone and what do we want to be? And then that led to me kind of carving a path into marketing at a small financial advising firm. And I found that I really enjoyed thinking about the strategy and how you can use words to impact a, a customer or a business. And that's really kind of how I fell backwards into marketing. I did not go to school. Like I didn't go to college for marketing back a billion years ago when I was in college. I do remember the the people who were in the business school in the marketing program actually got laptops for their classes, which was a big deal. I was still working in the, you know, you have a computer at home and you are taking written notes about Byron and Keats and everything else in classes. But I learned that by having that kind of liberal arts degree, it gave me the ability to understand context and think critically and communicate based on an audience and interpret things in different ways for different people. And that's how I kind of ended up marketing and writing and falling into strategy and then leadership. And now here I am ready to have a hostile takeover of the world. <laughs> in progress. Yes. I like it. Please share with us like a meaty problem, something that you've dealt with recently, either that you're still working on and how you're thinking about it, going about it, or something that you've already wrestled to the ground and are proud of the solution that you found. Just something that um, others might listen to and get something from for themselves. Yeah. Ideally. So I recently moved to a new company. And Congrats. I, I went, yes, congratulations. It's wonderful. I do miss uh, a lot of the people at Thomson Reuters. And so going from giant, global, heavily matrix organization where there is a person that does a thing everywhere to a much smaller local company, software company that is not really a startup. They've been around for more than 10 years. They've got a great, super strong customer base. They've got really good market penetration, but there's still a little bit of that like startup mentality. And it is kind of everybody does everything and everybody has their hands in a lot of different things. And so for me, one of the things that I've been working on kind of coming in there is how do I bring the lessons that I've learned in a larger company with a, you know, a robust demand gen engine into a company that is incredibly skilled and highly talented people and hungry to learn and do more, but are just kind of trying to figure all of that out at the same time. And sometimes it's as basic as we're going to put a plan on a piece of paper. We're going to make a slide that shows what we're working on over the next one, two, three months. 
And just providing even that little bit of structure and writing things down helps to continue to showcase the value of marketing, but also helps us prioritize things better and think through being nimble and agile and all of those things that we we want to do, but can lead to actually just being reactive. So taking that more kind of proactive slant on things. Oh, fantastic. So I hear structure and process to combat reactivity. Yes. Yeah. Yes. I like that. So with your new company came a promotion, you're vice president of marketing now, which is really fancy and super exciting and very well deserved. Does your, has your thought process changed? When you were a director and managing things like campaign planning and activation at Thomson Reuters versus being, you know, a VP of the entire marketing org at Kipsu. Yes, yes. I I think every time you kind of you move up, your scope and your view, your purview gets a little broader. And I think this role has really like blown that out of the water where I'm in conversations about, you know, commercial policy and pricing and what we're saying to the board and where is the business going to be in six months and a lot of those like really really strategic conversations where I provide the perspective of a marketing person and hey how can we continue to do this and and what's the trajectory and things like that but I had a a VP at one point who's a bit of a mentor of mine. And I remember very distinctly, he was doing his walk around the area and we were talking about something and he looked at me and he said, we are business people first, marketers second. And at that time I was like, how dare you stifle my creativity like that? No, I am a marketer. I, that, that is what I was you know, hired to do. That is what I was meant for. And in hindsight, much to my personal dismay, because I love to give him a hard time as often as I can, he was absolutely right. And I think that is one of the the things that I have really, really learned starting with, you know, an individual contributor, and I'm focused on these things, your scope of influence becomes broader, but your perspective on what's needed becomes much more broad as a VP in those business level conversations. Love it. And because you've just moved from uh, Thomson Reuters to this well-established, killing it, 10-year-old company, but still with that entrepreneurial spirit, what's changed about how you're managing up and out? Can you kind of compare, contrast, and what's worked here, what's worked there? That'd be really helpful. Yes. The thing that has been really eye-opening is the speed. When you work for a large company that has a significant number of resources, they have to be very deliberate about the use of those resources. And you can kind of fall back into that, you know, oh yeah, I'll get it to you sometime next week, or I'll get it to you in a couple weeks. And you give yourself more of that time and space because you have other things to do, but because that's just kind of the general pace of the company. It's more that moving the the Titanic, whereas this, you know, now I'm on a speedboat and you're making quick decisions back and forth. And so I think that has been interesting, again, to kind of take that experience of, okay, we don't want to get to the point of being reactive. And I have worked even in Thomson Reuters, I've worked with groups and with people and in other companies where there's always something new and exciting. 
you know, you've got this white space or this white space or this opportunity or this opportunity. And what about this? And what about that? And it becomes, you know, whatever the new shiny thing is. And I think working with a group of fast moving, highly intelligent, data driven people, it forces you to, you know, again, take a breath and continue to ask the, okay, but why, why, why do we want to do this? What do we think we're going to get? What is the goal of this? I get links to Wall Street Journal articles about the or Wall Street Journal articles about the, the hospitality industry now. And oh, South America looks like it's, you know, heading back up. We should probably think about how we're marketing in South America. And I'm like, yes. And <laughs> do we need to think about translation? What is the positioning? What is the value proposition? Is it different than in the US? Is it having some of those conversations and some of those questions at the ready just to help clarify that, no, this is actually a thing that we should be doing as opposed to this is something cool that I saw. And you don't always, ha and I I think a lot of times we fall into the, the wanting to be a good partner, especially with sales or with other folks. We, we, we want to be helpful. We want to be a good partner. But sometimes being a good partner is holding other people accountable and not just doing the next great fancy funny thing mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. got it well said yeah as you think back on your career to vp are there two or three pivotal things in your life that you can point to that put you on this trajectory oh that's a good question i look back and i i think about moving from smaller companies into a large global corporation that was a pretty pivotal moment. I very distinctly remember. So my mom worked at 3M for her entire career. So she was a 3M'er for life. And they would do the, you know, take your kid to work day. Mm -hmm. And I would go and I would sit in these meetings for, you know, RFPs, all of this stuff. And I, I remember my 10-year-old self thinking, this is the worst job on the planet. Who would ever, ever <laughs> want to do anything like this? And then once I got into working at a large global corporation myself, I was like, oh, okay, I get this. And my mom has never let me live it down. Um, <laughs> there is a lot of I told you so's that happen. That's what moms are for. Yes. Yep, yep. Yes. You get to do. Absolutely. <laughs> but I think that that really pivoted my trajectory from not just being the go-to marketer or the go-to writer or the go-to person to being a more broad strategic thinker, thinking about things outside of just, here's my little corner of the copywriting world and I work with the art director and that's it, to really thinking about the strategy behind what we're doing. So that was a pretty pivotal moment. Yeah. Another one that I guess is also about my mom. When it comes to leadership and how to communicate with different people, how to get your point across, how to be a strong leader. Um, I've had some really great mentors and I've had some really less than awesome mentors. Um, one of the more disappointing, I guess, pivotal moments that I remember too is I was working with a leader in one of my previous companies and she was a you know very well-respected leader had worked very, very hard to get to where she was. 
And she would talk about, you just kind of have to, and this, this industry is very male-dominated and, frankly, very white male-dominated. She would say, well, you just kind of have to play the game until you're in the spot where you can change the rules. Hmm. And that never sat well with me. I remember kind of bumping up against it at the time and being like, gosh, that, that really sucks. Like, I don't want to have to play by these rules. So I think that was a a pivotal moment for me to understand that regardless of where I go and what I do, I want to be at a company and I want to be working with people who value me as my authentic self, mm-hmm. which, you know, can be a lot, <laughs> but is also very fun. But that, I think that was super important. And then another time, one of my favorite stories to tell is I was having a really hard time with a leader, you know, in a different department, He and I would be butting heads about things. And I'm like, God, I just can't get through to him. I can't figure out what to do about this. And I I talked to my mom. But we we worked through it. We figured it out, didn't we? (laughs) I wasn't going to say it was Danny, Danny right? And he was the worst. Um, No, it was very much not you. But I, I remember talking to my mom about it. And she said, well, does he have a me wall? And I said, what is a me wall? And she said, go into his office. You know, if he's got pictures of his kids or, you know, hobbies or general mm. artwork, like that's one mm. thing. She said, but if you go into his office and he has all of his awards that he's won and pictures of him with like famous people and all of his accolades that he's won over time, she goes, that's his me wall where it's all about him. She said, and so you need, if he has a me wall, you need to pivot the conversation and you need to convince him that what you're talking about is, frankly, his idea. And the me, while was very telling, I was not a huge fan of the, well, now I just have to convince him that it's his idea. But it really opened my eyes to, you know, how to approach different people and sometimes You don't want to ever get to a point where you are going against your personal value system or or anything like that. But sometimes you need to better understand who you're dealing with Mm -hmm. to figure out how to continue to move forward. Yeah, Yeah. got to be effective. That's really good. Jennifer, do you think your mother would come on this podcast? (laughs) She was not in marketing, but uh, yeah, 100% she would. She would, and she would talk your ear off. She sounds like a business guru. She worked at 3M. She started as an accountant and ended up as a director of um, supply chain and logistics by the time she was done. So she she made her way through. Definitely need her on. Yeah, yeah. She yeah. she's got some real some real fun stories. If you ever want to hear about her battles with HR, they're real fun. Wow, we'll have you two yeah, both. Sounds back. tasty. So, how has marketing changed over the course of your career? I think it's. I don't think it's hyperbolic to say that it is completely different than it was. I was actually talking to an intern a couple days ago and talking about the different classes that he's taking. And he, you know, I said, what are some of the ones that you like or what what kind of things are you learning in school when you get an actual marketing degree? And he said, you know, a lot of it is like the, the data analytics. Nice. Yes, I am. I'm like, oh, that's so great. But I think that has been such, such a game changer. And those weren't the things that people were being taught 10, 5, 10, 20 years ago. 
And now it, it is all about data and what data can you get and what decisions can you make based on that data? And how do you use data to showcase effectiveness and value? I think the, the digital landscape has really enabled us to collect and, and gather more of that decision-making data, not just data for data's sake, but actionable insights that can be used to make better marketing decisions. Fantastic. That's wonderful. Great. Do you have a burning topic, something that you're passionate about in the marketing space? Oh, I don't know that I have anything really in the marketing space. I do think for me, not having, like I said, not having data for data's sake, but using data to make decisions and constantly asking when you're shown a piece of data or you're shown a, a metric, like, is this good? Is this what we expected? I like to joke that I take people back to fourth grade and we do the scientific method. You know, when we're starting a marketing campaign, what is the hypothesis or even, you know, a a tactic? What is the hypothesis? What are we looking to prove or disprove? What do we think is going to happen? What are the variables? Mm -hmm. You know, are we A-B testing? And what are the controls and how do we make sure that those controls are consistent? And then let it, let it go, let it run. And then take a look back and did the thing do what we thought it was going to do back in the hypothesis and then make the decisions based on that conclusion. That's great. Yeah. Fantastic. So what keeps you up at night, John? Beside my children? (laughs) (laughs) I think for me, the things that continue to kind of percolate in my brain are how can we make sure that when we are marketing, when we are speaking, when we are communicating, we are looking for all kinds of voices and all kinds of perspectives and who's not being heard, who's not at the table, who's not getting a share of voice. And when we do that, when we are, again, making decisions based off of kind of self-fulfilling prophecies, mm-hmm. that's not going to change. That's not going to get any better. Just today, there was a, a conversation. So I'm based in Minnesota. Our state legislature passed a ton of legislation this year. And there was a, a comment about how it's it's going back to the Scandinavian roots or like we're, we're modeling after Scandinavia. Mm-hmm. At first, when I read that, I was like, oh, yeah, that's kind of cool. Like it is like, you know, Finland or Sweden or, you know, some of those places that have the certain model. And then I read someone's commentary that says, wow, that really whitewashes all of the work that the marginalized groups have done Mm. to make this stuff happen. And that was like, oh, crap. Like there's my, you know, inherent bias again. So for me, it's, am I noticing when people aren't at the table or when voices aren't being heard? And am I amplifying other voices to be heard? Because I think that's my role as a leader is to lift other people up. Like I'm mm. I'm great sitting on my throne and delegating all of the work, <laughs> but my real job is making other people succeed. Mm. This sounds like your burning topic. Yeah. <laughs> I think so. And it's a great segue to the next question because we are all the three of us feel very young and we act very young, but we are now hiring the next generation of marketers. So Jen, what is your advice to that next generation, the up and comers? 
I actually really, really like Gen Z's approach to finding work and doing work. I think for as much as you need to prove your worthiness to a company, the company needs to prove its worthiness to you. And that was one of the things that really attracted me to Kipsu was my last conversation before I was offered the position was a conversation with our CEO. And he's like, now I'm going to pitch the company to you and you get to ask all the questions and you get to determine what's what's going to work and not work for you. And I think that is that's absolutely the correct approach. And I was actually talking to someone else today who had interviewed someone for a, a software engineer position. And on their resume, it said something to the effect of like, cyber steampunk software engineer of the future <laughs> um, for, you know, for a nerd position, which is again, a huge stereotype, but, yeah, like, yeah. but I love that more and more people can be their authentic selves. And it's not about what, what you can do for the company, but also what, you know, what is the company providing you, what growth, what support when you are going through the interview process, when you are new in a career, when you're in a company, in a position, find the people who embrace you as you are and just be a sponge around them and get as much information out of them as possible to help you kind of determine what your path could look like. Mm-hmm. And I strongly believe that anyone under 20, I, the fact that we choose universities and colleges and higher education based on what we want to be when we grow up, you know, unless you know you're going to be a doctor, nobody knows at 17 what they want to be when they grow up. I had no idea. My brain isn't fully even developed at 17. So being open to different possibilities and knowing that nobody's path looks the same and that's very, very okay. It's the same as as when we think about marketing. Nobody sees a display ad, reads the display ad, clicks on the display ad, goes to a landing page, reads the landing page, fills out a form, downloads a piece of content, reads the content, then fills out the, you know, contact us form and then becomes a customer. Like that marketing is not linear. It is giant mess. It's kind of like the, I don't know if you can see behind me, but there's Jeremy Bearme from The Good Place back there, which talks about time is not linear. Marketing is also not linear. And I think careers aren't linear and don't have to be. You don't have to go from specialist one to specialist two to manager one to manager two to senior manager to director to VP. You can take whatever path makes sense for you to get to where you eventually want to be. Mm-hmm. Awesome. Amen, sister. Mm-hmm. So looking back over your career, Jen, is there anything you do differently? Short answer, no. But I know we're on a podcast, so I'll I'll expound (laughs) a little bit. I think every setback, every challenge, every hardship is an opportunity to learn and to grow. Mm -hmm. And in the moment, it sucks and I hate it and it feels gross or I feel like I'm not living up to my potential or living to be my true self or, or a million other things. But every decision that I've made has led me to understand more about myself or about the people around me, or about where I want to go and what I want to do. So I don't know that there's anything I would do differently, because I think everything is a learning opportunity. Mm -hmm. That's awesome. No regrets. No, no. Well, there was one happy hour in like August of 2022 (laughs) that I would 
definitely or no 2021 that I definitely would not go to again. <laughs> oh okay all right I feel like that's its own that's its own podcast yeah. <laughs> all right Jen we're gonna put you in the hot seat they're easy questions but we we, we try to get you to think on the answer quickly well, this is gonna head. be great for my ADHD I'm ready there you go all right Leslie take it away okay so your life is a movie who plays you um Punky Brewster <laughs> yes the character Punky Brewster or Slay Moonfry Either one. Either one? All right. I'll allow it. What is your favorite KPI? Lead to opportunity conversion rate. Awesome. I'll allow it. I like it. First job, worst job. My first job was a receptionist at the Elizabeth Arden Hair Salon and Spa in downtown St. Paul, Dayton's, which turned into Marshall Fields, which turned into Macy's, which turned into garbage. I worked with my aunt, and it was fabulous and i have been obsessed with hair and beauty ever since worst job i worked at one of the jewelry kiosks in a mall in small town well not small town medium town um, mankato minnesota where it's it's literally like in the middle of the mall and you've got different types of jewelry all around you and you do ear piercing right there on babies and I got no training Mm. and it was terrible. Oh my goodness. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Don't, don't ever go to Claire's terrifying to pierce your ears. Just don't. (laughs) So Leslie, we're going to have to cancel our CMO interviews with uh, the CMO from Macy's and Claire's. (laughs) (laughs) And our appointments for our, our, our team piercings. (laughs) That's right. Our team piercings. That's right. Oh my, we are just making enemies all over the place. Okay, what is your favorite productivity hack? Putting things in my Outlook calendar. If it's not, or I, now it's a Google calendar. If it's not in my calendar, it doesn't exist. For me, organizing my my brain, it's there and I get the calendar words. And up. one of the things that I also put in the calendar is when I have tasks that I need to get done or things that I, I will block out like a 30 minute time period that says do this thing. And as the reminders come up, I will snooze them until it's actually done. Nice. Like it. So it'll keep popping yeah. up and get in my face and annoy me yeah. until I do this now. Done. Yep. <laughs> What's the last book you read? The last book I read or am currently reading is called The Order of Time, which now I'm going to sound really fancy, but actually someone at work recommended it to me. And it is by this theoretical physicist and talks about like how we decided what time actually is and how it's not actually that. And when you kind of undo everything that revolves around, you know, like future versus past it's again, it's not linear and like applies physics theories and, you know, like Einstein's theory of relativity and, and Newton and all of that to this concept of time and how it's not at all like we've just kind of agreed to what it is, but that's not what it actually is. It is yeah. fascinating. Total yeah. construct. Oh, yeah. Very cool. Nice. Okay. Who is the most fascinating contact on your phone? My mom? No. <laughs> Clearly. Clearly. Uh, no, Danny Muscaplat is the most fascinating contact on my phone. <laughs> or I have like medium famous. Oh, God, I hope she doesn't watch this and then be like medium famous. Um, but she's a, a really incredibly talented <laughs> singer songwriter named Carrie Noble. She was on a like a morning show here in the, the Twin Cities and has performed and 
done a ton and has also given me voice lessons and is a delightful human. And so I have very nice between her and long snapper, Mike Morris, her husband. Um, that's my mini claim to fame. Awesome. So if you could be famous for one thing, Jen, what would it be? It would be like, I want to be Brene Brown. Is that, Mm. is that a thing? Like I, I want, I want to, Talk about the most engaging, unbelievable things to audiences and have a team doing research for me and just like be the ultimate keynote speaker. That would be amazing. I like it. Do you have a like a TED Talk theme in your mind? Something you'd want to talk about? Oh, yes. Managing and leading and thinking through how you work with uh, neurodivergent people, especially late diagnosed um, neurodivergent people who spent their lives coming up with hacks for living and are now realizing that's just how their brain chemistry is. That's a great one. Is there something that you look back on your life and always wish that you'd done and haven't done? Yes, I wish that I had either gone to college out of state or out of the country or definitely traveled abroad or studied abroad. I think we'll be pushing my kids heavily to do that. I had the opportunity to do it and I had a crush on a boy, so I didn't. And that was the dumbest thing that anyone could do. So yeah, study abroad, live abroad. Awesome. What's the best compliment you've ever gotten? It's got to be something to the effect of, I love how you're just you. Everybody knows who you are. That speaks to my my heart around just being my authentic self. Love that. Describe yourself in five words. In five words together, like the beginning of a haiku or five separate words? (laughs) It's entirely up to you. It's entirely up to you. That's the first time we've ever gotten that question, by the way. Um, so you're definitely living your authentic life. Yeah. Yeah. I guess if it was a haiku, it would be, I will always be me. If it were the five separate, it would be authentic, quirky. Inclusive. Yeah. That's a great one. It's hard to describe myself, apparently. Like, yeah. Smart. <laughs> I got you. Yeah. Funny, passionate, Funny. hardworking. Yes. Empathetic. Yeah. Empathetic. I will, yeah, I'll take empathetic. I will take inspiring. Pat- Literally, you you spoke on the aspire to lead for Thomson Reuters, and everyone was like, "Oh my gosh, she was so inspiring! That was amazing!" Well, there you go. See, it's better if you answer for yeah. me. <laughs> there you go. All right. Yes. Also, gets other people to do the work for me. That would be a way to describe delegate. <laughs> Excellent. I like it. Well, that was fantastic. All right. That was so fun, Jen. Thank, Thank you. you. Yeah, thank you so much for having me. I, I'm so honored. This has been a, I mean, not just an ego boost, but it has been a real blow to my imposter syndrome that yes. I'm actually worth being on a podcast about being a yeah. leader. That's right. Yes. Thank, thank you, thank you, you, thank you, thank you so much. Awesome. That was so fun. Thank you for staying tuned. If you're enjoying these conversations, we would appreciate it if you would subscribe and give us a five-star rating. It really helps us to increase the podcast reach. Thank you. See you next week with more inspiring stories. This episode of Marketing Heroes is brought to you by The Search Guru, produced by Circle Audio and podcast cover art by Andra Lazord.